0: As we get started on today's Captain Corner, I want to thank you all for coming on this journey with us, and thanks to Trade South for being our sponsor for this first season. We've had like increasingly good feedback from people on this, and more and more downloads with every episode we released, and so we just want to encourage you to like share this podcast. It would mean a lot to us if you're able to share this so that more people can be impacted by this ministry. Next season, which we're hoping will come out about the middle of August, we have several great guests, including General Brian Peddle. That'll be the first episode. Dr. Chris Bounds, Dr. Tim Tennant, Commissioner Willis Howell, Billy Coppedge, a few other people who will be participating in next season. So we just encourage you to check it out. And if you could leave a review on iTunes for us, that would be another way that you could help us as we try to take these conversations we're having about mission, culture, and the way that God's leading the Salvation Army, it would be something that would help us spread that message, which in the Salvation Army, our mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and meet human needs in his name without discrimination. And we sense that in Tampa, we can do that because we exist because every person can be the person God's called them to be. So thanks for joining us in this digital version, a digital application of that ministry. God bless you.
1: Hi, and welcome to Captain's Corner, a podcast about community, mission, and culture. This podcast is a ministry of the Salvation Army of Tampa, where we exist because we believe every person can be the person God has called them to be. Also please check us out at Tampasa.org and go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at Sal Army Tampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
0: Hi friends, we're real excited today to be with my friend Stan Key, who is the president of the Francis Asbury Society. He's written several books. He's a well-known speaker and preacher. He's been a pastor, um, a missionary. And we're just delighted to be able to have him on Captain's Corner today. He has a new book that's come out that we're going to talk about. But hey, Stan, welcome to Captain's Corner.
1: Hello, Captain Andy. It's so such a privilege to be here. It truly is.
0: Now, many of people who will listen to the show might know about. Asbury, either Asbury University or Asbury Theological Seminary, but when they hear Francis Asbury Society, I imagine they think there's a connection, and there there is, I I guess. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about Francis Asbury Society before we talk about the book?
1: That's a great question. Thank you. There is no institutional connection between the university, the seminary, and our society. We do exist in the same little community of Wilmore, Kentucky and we come out of the same spiritual DNA. Right. So there's many fraternal ties that tie us together. But the Francis Asbury Society, of course taking its name from the first bishop uh, of the Methodist Church in America, the greatest example of church planting yes. uh, in North America, I think without question, uh, that's who our name comes from, and it's uh, out of that tradition that is somewhere on the spectrum sort of between Reformed theology and Pentecostalism. We're somewhere in that sort of ground between those two is our spiritual heritage, and we believe God raised us up as a society to help people experience spiritual wholeness.
0: Amen. To, uh,
1: in in old-fashioned language, to... Uh, go on to christian perfection right. to spread right. scriptural holiness over the earth that's what we uh, and we do that through through publications through print and we do that through speakers and evangelists
0: Right. And many people will be familiar with Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, who was one of the founders of the organization. And, and, you know, many of his books were published through Francis Asbury Society. I know those fill the libraries of many salvationists. But there's other great, you know, folks who have written and speak with you that might be familiar Salvation Army audiences like Dr. John Oswalt. Um, and, and now maybe even you. To a certain extent. We hope that people get to know you a little bit more. Via um, you know connections that you have with the Salvation Army, we love Francis Asbury Society, and I must readily admit at the start of this interview, I am on the board of Francis Asbury Society, so it's my privilege to be able to be able to promote some of this. But that, that's part of how I know about your book that's coming out, which I'm really delighted that it gives us kind of a fresh way of thinking about holiness in the Salvation Army. Our 10th article of faith says we believe it's a privilege of all believers to be wholly sanctified, that their whole spirit, soul, and body can be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's, uh, your book, book, it's not out yet. It's coming out in the middle of June. Is that right, Stan?
1: It'll be this summer. We hope in June. Okay,
0: okay. Well, we'll make sure to, to, uh... This will probably come out after it's out. If not, we'll make sure to have links so that we can connect people to it. But it's called Journey to Spiritual Wholeness. And then then the subtitle, of course, is really interesting. So I I want you to be able to get into that that with us. How the map of the Exodus illustrates our own spiritual journey. Now, I have to say, Stan, I'm not really used to uh, preachers in the holiness tradition, from my experience, talking about the map so what is this deal about the map anyways
1: andy i love your questions and i love your enthusiasm uh and i just had a flashback as you were talking before diving into the book yeah yeah. Uh, but another connection between the wilmore community and the francis asbury society in particular and the salvation army is bill urey oh right yes of course uh Who's just a dear, dear friend of ours, and Samuel Logan Bringle. We've printed a book here about him, written by David Wrightmeyer. Yes. And so, uh, and the blood and fire emphasis of the Salvation Army is something that resonates deeply with the Francis Asbury Society, and actually with the whole Wilmore community, or or it ought to. That, yes.
0: Put it that way. Well, I, I, let me back up. I didn't mean to, to hold us off there too much, um, uh, because I appreciate you bringing it up. A lot of people might not know that um, Dr. David Reitmeyer's book, which was originally published, I believe, in 2007 or 8, with Crest's Book, the Salvation Army's publication, called "Sanctified Sanity." Okay. Um, but yes. we are so delighted—I am—that you. The Francis Asbury Society republished it, and it had. It, there's a. It's a new edition. There's two new chapters um, that are very helpful, and that's. I mean, that's a significant piece of Salvation Army literature that I hope people will pick up to know that there's a second edition, which has more. Nobody has done a systematic treatment of Samuel Logan Brangle's theology until uh, David Wrightmeyer did. So thank you for doing that, and thanks too for all these other connections that you mentioned. Um, Good,
1: good, good, good. You want
0: to add anything else about those things? Um
1: No, I think that's That's good, okay other than other than my aunt
0: who Yes, to tell us about your in
1: aunt the army, yes. She's in heaven. But that's a very personal connection that is very tender to my heart and what a saint of God she was. Majory Major, thank major thank Marjorie you. Key. Exactly.
0: So Stan, one of the things I notice about the subtitle of your book is it emphasizes the map. It says how the map of the Exodus illustrates our own spiritual journey. Could you help me understand what the deal is with the map? This isn't something that's familiar to me, uh, well, before reading your book. Um, Can you help me understand what the significance of the map is?
1: One of the things I discovered in this whole just getting excited about the map is that this is the way a hundred years ago many of the great preachers and evangelists preached, people like R.A. Torrey, people like Andrew Murray, not necessarily just people that we would see in our own perhaps Wesleyan traditions, but they saw that the map of the Old Testament exodus was a grid or sort of a filter through which to understand the journey of salvation. Mm -hmm. It gave categories and hooks to hang things on, going from Egypt and the bondage of sin, getting out of Egypt by a passage through the Red Sea. It took the waters of baptism and the blood of the Passover lamb sprinkled over the doors to get them out. Then they found themselves in a desert, Anna went to the bitter place at Marah, was stop number one. They went to Mount Sinai, where they got the law and the tabernacle. God Mm -hmm. told them after two years, they were at the border of Canaan at a place called Kadesh Barnea. God said, go possess your inheritance. That's the story of the 12 spies. The 12 spies were spooked. They got afraid because of the giants in the land, and they turned back. And so the people were condemned to 38 years of doing laps in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. But finally they came to the Jordan River and a second crisis kind of moment. And passing through the Jordan, they entered into the land of Canaan, which was a place of fruitfulness, fighting battles and victory, and a place of rest. Wow. So that's the, that's the big picture and when you begin to see that in a big way, you realize that's very similar even to what you see in the New Testament when Jesus stepped on the beach of Peter, Andrew, James, and John and said, Follow me. It was as if the pillar of fire were suddenly leading these men and women on a journey that led them into the through some hard areas, through the cross, into the resurrection and to Pentecost and into the book of Acts, and you find some similar parallels there. So, this one is of so the, interesting. Oh, I, I'm very excited about uh, let it. Me, let me back
0: up, just because one of the things, even at the outside, as you're walking through this, and I hope to get kind of into each of those locations here that you talked about. One thing that's interesting is that often uh, preaching, teaching theology within the Wesleyan tradition is criticized. For our emphasis on the filling of the spirit, sometimes called the second work of grace, and we see that as sometimes um, uh, we're criticized as if we we're saying that we have arrived, like we are already there, and like as if we can't say with Paul, not that we've already obtained all this. But what you're saying here is different because it emphasizes the reality of a journey, like the the map the map insist upon a a process. Is that right?
1: Theologians love to talk about crisis and process. right? And uh, these are words that most of us can catch on to, that there are parts of our spiritual experience that relate to growth and development and just things we need to learn. We need time. Mm -hmm. But there are also parts where the spirit of grace, and I I don't mean in a signs and wonders kind of way, but where the spirit needs to do a work of God in the human heart. And what the map illustrates is it illustrates in Egypt there's process. Hmm. Not, Not everybody wants to leave Egypt. Some people actually like living in Egypt, but if pain or a search for identity, began to trouble the waters so that a person wonders maybe there's more than to get out of Egypt, takes a Red Sea kind of a moment hmm. where the waters part, and that's different. No, there's no two stories that are quite alike, as you and I both know that in, in the ministry, these are as beautiful as snowflakes. Each mm. one is a snowflake, but it's very unique. Right. But it takes a, a crisis kind of awareness and discovery of forgiveness and the reality of who Christ is. Then we're out of Egypt, but we're not yet in Canaan. And it takes then a second kind of awareness. Right. I try to avoid the phrase personally, a second work yeah. of grace, just because it's not necessarily the way the Bible talks right. about it. It can become a cliche for some, but I can't get away from the fact that both in biblical understand studying the Bible, and just in my own experience, and in the experience of people I work with, frankly, you know, starting the journey does not do the work <laughs> that needs to be done. And growth, uh, I don't know how to say this politely, but growth is overrated as a as a means for producing saints. You don't just grow into sainthood. Sainthood is something that's a, a work of grace right. in the heart. If we emphasize the growth too much, all we do is produce a new generation of Pharisees, and frankly, we don't need any more of those. Amen. <laughs>
0: Anyway. That's true.
1: Hey, one o- maybe yeah, one yeah. other crucial point here, Andy, is many people have assumed, I think I want to say, that Canaan is a picture of heaven and the Jordan River is a metaphor of death. Now, frankly, that is what many of our old gospel songs say but with all due respect to those songs that I still love, I I think they're wrong. Hmm. I cannot cannot find in Scripture, I cannot find in Scripture where Canaan, in fact, when the people of Israel got to Canaan, they had to fight battles. They had to fight the Battle of Jericho. Well, how does that fit into your theology of heaven? Yeah, sure. I I don't think we've got Canaanites living in heaven. and uh, But to me, the overwhelming message of Scripture is, no, Canaan is not a picture of heaven, and Jordan River is not a picture of death. Canaan is a picture of the abundant life. Right and In the desert, nothing grows. But when they get into Canaan, it's a land of milk and honey. So it's a place of fruitfulness. It's a place of victory. When they fight the Battle of Jericho, they take their trumpets. They don't even take their swords. They take their trumpets. Like, well, we're not in Kansas anymore. Sure. When we get into Canaan, we're we're fighting the battles of the Lord with the weapons of the Spirit. Now, Stan, and you're starting to Canaan sound like
0: also, a salvationist.
1: Well, praise the Lord. Yeah,
0: yeah, obviously, like, we would, like, the, the imagery of war and the battle and soldiers, yeah, yeah. and like the idea of, of sensing the filling of the Spirit, of being spiritually whole, happens, it it has an instrumental purpose. It's a means to functioning within God's kingdom, essentially fighting. So, you know, I signed all my emails forward to fight. And that's not me, like, trying to get on to... You know, staff who maybe don't like something I'm saying. It's like uh, also, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe sometimes, uh, but it's me say it's me suggesting that we're a part of a, a bigger battle, and, and that happens even as we experience um, the work of the Spirit helping us become the people God's called us to be.
1: I think I would say it's even stronger. Oh, it, it happens especially because wow, and in, in the journey doesn't end when you cross the Jordan. In fact, it's sort of like the last paragraph of the Chronicles of Narnia when the children discover this was all just a preface, and now we start chapter one of the great story. story. That's such a moving story. Well, that's what happens when they cross the Jordan. Hmm. It's like now you've got battles to fight, cities to build, a kingdom to establish, and of course, the rest of the Bible— And the story of the kings and david and uh, there's some tragedies in there too Uh, the exile to babylon but the story continues as it does in our own lives so sanctification when it's understood as a state of being where we don't have anything else to do it's like it's just a gross misunderstanding of how the bible describes the abundant life we're saved for something, amen. We're not just saved from something; we're saved to fight the battles of the Lord. the The third thing that is such a primary, strong emphasis in Scripture is Canaan is a place of rest. Yes, in fact, it's it's called "I will give you rest," and it's called the land of rest. But what the Hebrews discovered was that that doesn't mean there's a hammock and a glass of cold lemonade. And we never have to do anything. No, we've got to fight battles and plant crops, but it's it's the discovery, thanks to the work of the Spirit, the deeper work, that His yoke is easy, His burden is light. Come to Me, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. Amen. Is how Jesus said it in Matthew 11. So it's it's a the the battles are more intense than ever, but there's there's that amazing capacity to do God's work in the strength which He provides, which is it's it's still tiring, but it's not fatiguing, and it's not onerous. It's not it's uh, what I used to feel sometimes at the end of a Sunday as a pastor when I would crawl in bed just completely yes. exhausted, but it was that just the sheer joy. Of, wow! What a great day we had. It's the people of God.
0: Real It was Sabbath. that
1: good. That yes, exactly. Like uh,
0: Hebrews exactly. four, you know, the, and you emphasize that exactly. the piece of uh, they shall enter His rest, which is you know a, a, confu- a hard passage to understand. But it, it says, you know, picking up on the Old Testament imagery, there is still a rest for them to enter. Let us make
1: every effort to enter that rest. The the passage in Hebrews 3 and 4 that you're quoting is such a significant passage, and it's really a sermon preached by a New Testament gospel-inspired, inerrant piece of Scripture, but it's based on what happened in Numbers 13 and 14 at Kadesh Barnea, when the people were told, okay, go possess your inheritance, cross into Canaan, they had only been on the journey at that point 2 years but they turned back in fear and unbelief and double mindedness and they uh, so god that's where god said fine if you like the desert just stay in the desert die in the desert and uh, but that's so the the writer of hebrews is preaching to christians not to unchristians mm-hmm. don't let happen to you what happened to them today. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Right. Don't spend your life doing laps in the wilderness Cross over today. If you hear his voice, uh, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And many people have wanted to interpret that in terms of heaven. But again, this, the text itself just doesn't say that. Right. It, it's, Maybe they're right, but I just humbly want to say I don't think you are. I don't think it's talking about what happens when we die. I think he's calling the church in Hebrews to a deeper commitment and to live lives that matter, similar to what Paul did in 1 Corinthians 10, where he preached the map to right, the Yeah.
0: Let me stop you there real quick because, like, I think that yep. that's a helpful piece to highlight. It's like as you're talking about the map, it's like, and as I read your book, um, which I had the privilege to endorse, as I kind of worked through it, uh, I, I was a little, I was trying to be, you know, a, a good critic in that sense. Like, I wanted to think through it, and and um, I wondered if you're kind of taking this a little too far, to be honest with you. But I'm gonna let. There's a positive into mm-hmm. this story. So as I w- went through that, I thought, well yes, this is a great image. And I knew John Fletcher and some of the other preachers that you had talked about using the, these imagery. But then when you brought up the fact that like, not only this Hebrews 4 piece, but I I, I might have 1 Corinthians 10, um, maybe it's yeah. uh, uh, that this this has like a foundation within Scripture itself for interpreting the journey of the Israelites in the Exodus. There's like already kind of a foundation for that with in scripture itself so like what you're doing by highlighting this movement from egypt to the red sea to sinai to moab to kadesh barnina to canaan that that was picked up on by paul could you tell us a little bit about that
1: you you are preaching my sermon and well i read your book so i'm a little ahead (laughs) let me tell you my own journey on this this is brief but i was pastoring in upstate new york and I was preaching through the book of Exodus, just sort of on a series of sermons. I think I called it the gospel according to Moses or something like that. Mm-hmm. But as I was preaching it, I got began to think. I said, "This, this is the story of every Christian. This journey from Egypt to Canaan is so pregnant with spiritual truth. But then, exactly like you, I think, I talked myself out of it because I said, but in seminary, I was taught that we shouldn't treat the scriptures allegorically. That was the word that I had sort of picked up somewhere was a a bad word, Hmm. and we shouldn't be allegorical. In other words, we shouldn't take an Old Testament story and make it mean something it wasn't intended to mean, which I agree with. So I was sort of paralyzed, but that was the context I read, and it was first of all, I read First Corinthians 10, where Paul says, in, interestingly enough, to Greeks, not even to Jews, he says to Greeks who lived in the city of Corinth, to Christians, our fathers, were all under the cloud, and they all were baptized in the baptism of Moses. They all drank from the same spiritual rock that followed them. They all ate the same spiritual food. He's preaching the map, and Mm. then he gives four applications in his sermon, and then I discovered Hebrews 3 and 4, where the writer basically is doing the same thing. So I just said, well, regardless of what my professors taught me if paul in right. hebrews can preach the map i can't amen
0: if, if it's good that's enough for them and jesus is good enough for you
1: that's exactly right you, you exactly. kind of
0: side piece on that um uh, I, as you talk about hebrews uh, three and four i always think it's interesting in that passage is whenever when i've genuinely heard that anything from those chapters brought up it's like kind of a verse that's lifted out there that talks about you know the word of god is sharper any two-edged sword you know um and i it, that's connected to the same idea like how we access um, god's truth in the midst of this hi friends i just want to take a minute here to tell you about the sponsor for our first season of captain's corner trade south is a southern territory supplies and purchasing department they are tasked with resourcing the field with products and services at the best negotiated prices this is accomplished in a two-fold way to buy and stock products in volume, maximizing our collective purchasing power, and to negotiate discount vendor agreements that reflect the needs of the territory. Trade South stocks over 4,000 unique products in its Atlanta warehouse and offers over 5,000 more shipped directly through vendors. Visit TradeSouth at MyTradeSouth.com for vendor agreements, programs, you can visit discounts.MyTradeSouth.com. And I'll just add that Trade South has produced my two books stay the course in his uh, holistic hospitality. You can find those there. And I always refer people to that site because I'd rather people leverage their dollar at a Salvation Army site where the kind of the net income is going to go to support the Salvation Army's mission. And so I just encourage you to check out this site. Jeremy Roll and his team have done a great job really bringing the Salvation Army's trade concept into the 21st century with their website and their great customer service. So check them out at mytradesouth.com. Now, back to our program. I would only have a little bit more time, and I want to make sure people can pick up on the power of of this idea of the map for us, and particularly thinking of preachers. Like, how could this be something that um, people who are thinking about a message series for the fall or the spring, how is this something that they might be able to use? Give us some advice. Give me some advice.
1: Um, Illustration. You know, when you go into a mall you've never been to before and you're trying to find, say, a shoe store Mm -hmm. and you say, well, how do I find a shoe store? There's 200 shops in this mall and I'm totally confused. Well, you find the map that's generally on a kiosk there near the door and you look on that map for a red dot that says you are here. That's what the map of the Exodus does for the follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. It gives them the ability to situate, to self-assess. Where am I on this journey? Am I doing laps in the wilderness? Am I stuck at the bitter place? Am I still in Egypt? Right. Have I trusted in the blood of the Lamb to get me started? Am I in Canaan? Maybe the battle I'm fading, facing is not with Egyptians, but it's with Jericho. I'm, maybe I'm there, I just haven't understood what God had already done in my life. When I, uh, The desert, preaching the desert, is where I've discovered people in the pew, just the lights start coming on when they begin to... Re- no, that's my story. I followed Christ, and then all hell broke loose. And life turned bitter, and it's like, well, welcome to the journey. You're exact. You're, you didn't Amen. take a wrong turn. So one of the great benefits of the map is self understanding. The right. other finding where am I on the map? The other benefit is for people, particularly in ministry, pastors, core officers, maybe Sunday school teachers, small group leaders. Yeah. Uh, it enables them to help. Them understand where other people are, you know. Yes. I think a lot of preachers yes. stand up on Sunday morning, and they're preaching to their congregation with the assumption that they're, you know, pe- they're on the journey. Right. But maybe they're still in Egypt, wow. or maybe wow. yeah, they're on the journey, but they're walking in circles, wow. and they need that they need somebody to help give them a kick in the seat of the pants sure. and say. Don't die in the desert. Don't die short of your inheritance. Right. So those are the great, I think, practical and ministry benefits of the map. It enables us to find where we are, and then hopefully to become a coach to others.
0: Right. I love that game, uh, coach.
1: Yeah, we're we're just now developing. Some ideas on how to use the map here in this Francis Asbury Society, and I think we're going to use the term guide. We're yeah. going to train people to be guides, and they could be a pastor, but it could be a layman yeah. kind of person. But so that they're trained in the map, so they can help others, and again, just coach them to to move forward. Whether they specifically refer to the map or not is unimportant. Right, I think. For me, the great joy of the map is it gives you freedom to just sort of use the categories in your own way and just use. Right. You can preach the map from the New Testament, man. Well, uh, and I
0: think that, I hope that people will, and, and when they get, people get a chance to get your book to be able to look at it, this could be a, a series in itself, like to move through those portions. And you can do it, you can find it in a variety of places. We have to know where we are to know where we're going. And I feel like that's a that's a key piece. Um, I I love how you're talking when you're talking about Canaan and the and the progress that comes when we're in Canaan. And you brought up the maybe one of the greatest pages outside of the Bible ever printed, and and that's the last page of the last Bible. And I might I, I don't have it in front of me, but I was going say the last page of the last battle. I think I said the last Bible, the oh, last yeah, battle. Yeah. Um, and where it says where where every, every page is better than the one before. Maybe it says every chapter is better if than you're, the one.
1: You're right, yes.
0: And, and I think that's what you're inviting us into, Stan. I really appreciate you taking time to talk through this with us. I wish we could have had another hour to talk about it. I also want to encourage people to think about, Stan has another book called Marriage Matters, and it talks about human sexuality in a way that would be very appropriate for small groups with questions that come at the end of each chapter. It's a great, great short book. Um, but it comes from a pastor's heart, just like this does. Journey to Spiritual Wholeness, which comes out this summer from Francis Asbury Press. You can go, you can find them on Facebook. Um, you can also find um, find probably find this book on Amazon. I presume is that right, Stan?
1: Yes, yes.
0: So, it, it, um, any last thoughts you'd like to share, Stan?
1: Bon voyage. Okay. Again. Bon voyage. You, <laughs> of course, Stan
0: spent time in in France. How many years were you a missionary in France?
1: We were there ten years, Andy. Yeah, and for us, this reflects my own journey. Hmm. But they were pretty much years doing laps in the desert. Wow! But it was the greatest training experience. Far, I learned far more theology in the desert than I did at seminary. I love seminary, right? But uh, it's. God leads us into the desert. I call it, in the book, I call it University of the Desert. All God's saints go to Desert U. And, uh, but, but he doesn't intend us to spend 40 years. Usually it's two or three. Right. But uh, all of God's saints are, have, have a degree from Desert U. I promise you. You proved me wrong yeah, on I'm that. I'm sure.
0: I imagine there are but. people listening to us right now who are saying, yep, I'm in the desert right now. And I hope that, you know, what they hear today and connected to the, you know, Salvation Army or this book or other places might be able to help you find where you are so you can figure out how to get out of the desert and head toward Canaan. Stan, we appreciate your time. And um, we just are thankful for your ministry and Francis Asbury Society. And we pray that God will continue to lead you forward to the
1: fight. Thank you, Andy. God bless you and your listeners. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Captain's Corner. If you'd like to learn more about us, please feel free to check us out at tampasa.org and give us a follow on Twitter at SalArmyTampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time.